What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver and Gig Worker Economy News. Presented by UberLiftDrivers.com and the Rideshare Rodeo. I'm your host, SJ, and tonight on the podcast, we have Matthew Tells, who has worked for both platforms, Instacart and Dumpling, and is going to give us some perspective on both of those, as well as our conversation moved a little outside of that and towards AB5, and we kind of let the tape roll. So we went a little long tonight. Um, I know that next week is uh, the 10th tenth, the episode, and also the two-month uh, uh, marker of us doing the podcast, so it will all be fully dialed by then. That's why I was going to cut this and use part later, uh, the second part, where we, after Instacart and Dumpling, we kind of transverge, but it kind of all blends together nicely. So it may be a little longer, but um, definitely worth the listen. It's a it's a good uh, conversation that we have, um, and uh, you know we 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 hit on quite a few things. So definitely check it out. Uh, and next week it will be just me, kind of uh, um, you know doing a bringing us all bringing all the podcasts back together and whole, so that uh, everything's addressed because we still have some PUA stuff that. Just will take a couple minutes probably or something, but some questions that are out there that I've had from a couple different people. and um, I do want to address those and just kind of uh, really hit on the news that's been going on and, and catch us back up. And uh, But for tonight, we have a, a good interview with Matthew that we did yesterday um, that will be played in its full. Before I play that, uh, Denver drivers, riders, passengers, people who own cars, whatever, auto enthusiasts, <laughs> um, do remember that for the rest of this month, uh, Superior Auto Image has uh, $75 off windshields. Make sure to book an appointment before the end of the month. $75 on some windshields can almost be half of the price. So unless you know of a place where you can get half-price windshields all the time, um, now is the time because they are family-owned. They do great work, and uh, that's a deal that you just can't pass up. So if you have a windshield with a little crack or big crack or whatever, and you've been wanting to get it fixed, now's the time. Call them up. They're open, and uh, um, they do great work. They're on the corner of Leedsdale and Monaco, and it's uh, superiorautoimage.com. But for right now, I'm going to get. Us, I'm just going to jump us into the interview with Matthew. So uh, let's bring him on to the podcast. Hey, Matthew, are you are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right. So Matthew tells uh, is with us tonight, and uh, he is going to talk to us about Instacart and Dumpling in some more detail than. Well, way more than I know because I'm a rideshare guy, but uh, I've been curious because I've seen so much of the same kind of bad news that we see in the rideshare industry, kind of with these too. But I, because I've never done them myself, I, I'm not exactly sure. And like like we were talking about prior to this, uh, you had mentioned, you know, I asked you about the tips, and it was confusing to me. But 
Can you give us like a basic overview first on on Instacart and like where they were when they started as to where they are now and was there a good time in that period? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the story of Instacart is pretty much uh, the same as any of the current uh, gig apps that are left standing. You know, they started small, a small app uh, in the kind of early aughts or, or late, you know, two thousands. I think Uber was one of the first or left, uh, but. Uh, Instacart came up a few years after, I believe, like 2012 or 13, uh, was when the, the founder of more of a meta kind of designed the app and kind of cheated his way into Y Combinator with it um, by delivering uh, a six-pack of beer to one of the judges or something. I don't know. Um, but they, they were, you know, good back then, and they all are. Um, but Instacart specifically was a much smaller company then. They had uh, in-house uh, customer support. Uh, we knew their names. They knew us as shoppers. I, myself, uh, was one of the first shoppers in Chicago uh, working full-time uh, for Instacart. And, uh, you know, came into the, the, the market after a pretty gnarly workplace injury. I took a golf ball to the head at a charity event, and almost took me out of this world and kind of changed my life uh, as far as not being able to do a lot of traditional work. Uh, I used to work 80 hours a week in sales. And now with, uh, you know, what's going on in my brain, I, I don't have as much patience or, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the things you need to, to, to sell high-priced items anymore. So I figured, hey, I, I like food. I like cooking a whole lot. I like learning. Uh, so I checked out Instacart. Uh, my college roommate was doing it on the side at the time, and I immediately fell in love with it. You know, I, I was living in Chicago, uh, in a nice apartment in West Town, in a nice older neighborhood, and you know, working for Instacart gave me uh, unfettered access to the whole city. So I got to see all the buildings, and they paid good at the time. You know, I felt at that point Instacart pay in 2014, early 2015, I believe, uh, was uh, was commensurate to the work involved. You know, yes, yeah, sometimes I was um, pushing you know, 10, 15 cases of water across with uh, like a football field of carpeted buildings. Uh, but I also, you know, got to go to the top of the Sears Tower or, or travel around in the Lower Yonker tunnels and wander the, the river. You know, post 9-11 world, it's hard to get access to the places that Instacart shoppers get access to. And, and I'm really grateful for it, you know, just the views and stuff. Um, and I was averaging about, like, 18 to 20% tips on every order. I had a, lot, a bunch of regular customers, and then Jeff Bezos and Amazon decided to buy Whole Foods, and everything changed. Um, that was, uh, what, 2015, late 2016, when they actually took over, and everyone got scared when that happened, because they didn't want Instacart puts their sights on your industry that you're pretty much your days unnumbered. So at that point, Instacart ran to all of the grocery retailers who are notorious for having like pretty bad tech and data collection, and make tons of money, uh, but the margins are low. Um, but, you know, so they basically went to all the grocery retail, Instacart did, and said, hey, if you don't partner with us and give us control of your data and your customer behaviors, Amazon's going to eat your lunch. Uh, and they agreed. So all of the grocery uh, chains started partnering up with Instacart to basically defend themselves against uh, Amazon grocery delivery, which flopped horribly. And it's still flopping right now. Uh, as I think we're all reading, we can see that they're kind of reassessing and building these secret Amazon shopping locations. I'm actually sitting between two secret Amazon stores right now that they're building in my neighborhood. One is in Schaumburg, Illinois, just uh, west of me, 
and one is down low in like the Niles area, more towards the city, just east of me. And no one knew what these stores were uh, when they were building them because I think like Amazon didn't want the community to know. So we would protest and say they can't build here because they're just going to create a bunch of predatory jobs and things like that, as they do everywhere else. Um, so when we were fighting a beast like that, like you know, Instacart basically didn't have to do much work. Like Amazon did their work for them and marketed for them, and the fear drove everyone to Instacart. And Instacart knew that, that they uh, didn't have any other real competitors. You know, some people have tried. You know, DoorDash does a little grocery here and there, ships, Postmates a little bit, but nothing at the scale that Instacart was capable of, of like providing. So that at that point, that's where I think the workers lost a lot of their power. Um, immediately, uh, Instacart uh, announced that they were going to try and take tipping away, and this was in again in I think 20, late 2015, 2016. I, the brain injury makes my chronology go a little wonky, but uh, you know, Instacart didn't want us getting tips, but they couldn't just outright take them. So they basically kind of said, "Oh, we're going to take away tips because we don't want you to rely on them, but we're going to pay you more," which we knew was BS because we had. I already seen those issues happening uh, with Uber and Lyft. You know, me and the, the people that I have been organizing with off and on over the last five years, we, we were watching the Uber uh, drivers in New York and L.A. And, and what they were able to accomplish and, you know, what, what they were doing, how they were organizing. And, and we were kind of modeling our organizing out off of them. And, and basically kind of using that to, to predict Instacart's behavior because there is no innovation in Silicon Valley. It's just a repackaging of a lie. But but just to just to to be clear, so the when they said that they were kind of you had been getting tips up until this point, yes, seeing yes. them as tips, and then they said you're not going to get tips, you're going to get paid more instead. Did they still have the the uh, sh- the person ordering side seeing a tip category? Well, they never actually got a chance to take away tips because we organized a walkout. Uh, and this was back when there was only about 7,000 shoppers or, uh, no, there was, there was a couple, there was, there was maybe like 70. No, yeah, that's the number. There was 50 to 75,000 shoppers kind of around the time of our first actions. So we were actually able to kind of get a bunch of buy-in and, 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 and get some actual change as a, what could be considered a vocal minority. Um, because a lot of people don't really speak up and more and more all, today are speaking up, which is good. They're finding their voices. Yeah. Uh, Instacart never got a chance to take our tips away. Uh, what they did, however, was they removed the tipping from the main screen and buried it in the app, like behind like at least three screens. It kept changing for uh, a year, almost a year, year and a half. Instead, they replaced where the tipping used to be with something called a service fee. Now, that was what was supposed to be earmarked for higher pay for shoppers and protections, healthcare, whatever they said it was going to be used for. It wasn't going to be used for that. Right. Um, and so we had to come up with a, a secondary campaign <clears throat> called what we called Wave and Save. So in the interface, um, Instacart, and they tacked on a 10% service fee that you could actually click a button next to it and wave it and not pay it. You could voluntarily not pay a fee on Instacart back then. So what we were doing was upon delivery, as many Instacart shoppers as we could tell, we were telling customers at their door, to their face, hi, you may have noticed that Instacart has replaced the tipping option with something called a service fee. Just know that this is not a tip for my services. If you would like to waive the service fee, you can click here and you would actually like show them your phone on the customer-facing app that you had pulled up and actually show them click by click how to waive this service fee, go back into their order, find tip, and actually tip us. So like Instacart, like, 
was retaliating against us. And they have continued to retaliate against us ever since in different forms, whether it be taking addresses away or setting up predatory referral and batch acceptance bonuses and then benching people when they get close to accepting the referrals and bonuses. These are things that they learned from Uber and Lyft. These sure, aren't, this isn't sure. New, you know, so they're, they're behaving improperly. Uh, they are breaking laws. And they either need to be held accountable or they need to be put out of business. And, he, uh, and even, the, even, even, the, even though Amazon, like you say, it's failing and, you know, they tried to come in with Fresh and all their things, really Instacart up until the point of, I, for, maybe I'm wrong, but is like kind, I, I follow all your stuff on Twitter too. And yeah. like as far as minus dumpling, it seems like Instacart's kind of had the monopoly. Yes, 100%. Yeah, they, they, they serve, what, 100% of North America, 80, 95% of uh, North America was at this point, or at least uh, America and most of Canada. I, I, just, I just mean they that there's not even that little that. startups that we've seen fail and ride and just, and ride share uh, and other things. There, I will say nothing, nothing like that would get national recognition, and does it really need national recognition, because should these things be in the community anyway? Right. You know, there yeah. are there are different things popping up and have been around for years. I myself, I've been a dumpling shopper apparently since uh, February of 2018. You know, that's when I first started talking with the founder Joel uh, about developing the app. So, like, they're, they're, we've been around. It's just it's sure. COVID to get people to question the autonomy that the apps were creating or, or the lack or the lack of autonomy, the autonomous nature of it and the facelessness of it. So, like, you know, there are things in Seattle and even in Chicago here where you have, like, college kids delivering uh, food and meals to people and you have, you know, just, like, co-ops of people. I believe um, someone with, the, like, uh, the Tech Workers Coalition or or coworker.org, one of them is, is, is uh, associated with some type of co-op food delivery smaller app. So they're out there. Um, it's just we don't talk about them. Um, right, but they also... They don't have a snazzy name. But they weren't out there in the beginning, which I see is a big problem, too. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Instacart wasn't the first one around. We had Webvan and Teapot and all those things. It's just oh, yeah. going cycles, you know? So oh, I, I remember... didn't invent the wheel, right? I mean, oh, I, I remember in the early 90s being in Ann Arbor, yeah. Ann Arbor Michigan, and using a telephone to yeah. call a place that delivered for yeah. 40 places. Yeah, I actually, I mean, <laughs> when I was still in junior, I was, in, I was a freshman in high school when I actually had my mom drive me to the Peapod headquarters over here in Rosemont, and I, like, beta tested their online website. Like, I was, like, 15. So I guess it's always kind of been in my blood to, like, call bullshit on interfaces and be somehow involved in the grocery industry. I, I just remembered that right now. That's so weird. Well, that <laughs> Instacart isn't innovative. They're just no, really no. good at PR, you know, and capturing data and and pulling the wool over people's eyes. Uh, so, you know, they've been around. Instacart just has hit the highest watermark so far. But I don't think that we have hit the high watermark with this. I think... I think there's enough space for multiple different ways to do it, but I do think specifically Instacart's model is actually detrimental to our society as a whole. Yeah. And as far as where we need to go uh, moving forward in the future. So I would like to see them go away because I know they're not going to change, at least willingly. Right. Well, I mean, it, you, we have to have, we have to have other companies pop up in every, yes. in every aspect of gig to compete because otherwise they will, Fully take advantage of those situations. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's why we had those laws, and we kind of eroded them away, you know, since the early 80s, and we have to reinstall that socialism belt, my friend. Like, I mean, capitalism runs rampant. And, and, and in my opinion, capitalism game is over. They won. Let's clear the board. Let's start over if we can. Because there is no chance right now for the small guy or anything to, to go up against these these other companies who are allowed to break rules. Like, my partner today, you know, she just said, we watched a movie the other day, and she said, like, how, how is one ever to win a game when no one's playing by the rules? Like, how, how can you ever fairly win or have a chance at winning if everyone else is cheating? You can't win against the rig system by playing by the rules. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think Dumpling's playing by the rules. I like what they're about. Um... You know, that could change, but as far as I know, uh, and what I do know, and I know a lot about them, uh, is that, you know, they have a great foundation, uh, and, and they have great leadership. It's been a really, really amazing, uh, um, they've given me a really amazing opportunity to just, like, watch them grow, uh, and really, you know, not have any stress assigned to it, because I'm not an employee of theirs, and... I don't really have any anything to lose by helping them. I have everything to gain, you know, like just helping other people, help other people be good people to their communities. Like that's as simple as it needs to be, you know. Sure. Yeah, and I like I like the way that uh, when I was looking through dumpling that you set up your own profile. It does make me wonder how from the get go. Because I was looking at the customer end, not the, not the, not the, what is it, the, uh, the boss app. We call it the boss app. Okay. Uh, older yeah. Apps. Uh, yeah. Just like any other app, Instacart has two apps, Uber has two apps. Yeah, yeah. Dumpling has to have those two apps. For so, so it does make me wonder, though, the, how the user side starts. I mean, it, must, it has to be randomized, I guess, unless somebody turned you on to it. What do you mean how the user side starts? Like so, like, if I, if I, if I want to start using Dumpling today, um, not, not, not as a shopper, but I just want to get some groceries, I go, yeah. si- I go sign up, and I was looking at one of the things that they say that I like is that, you know, you can, you can have the same shopper every time. Yeah. Obviously, so, yeah. that first time, you're kind of, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, it is kind of, there is a little bit, I mean, there, it's never going to be completely fair yeah. So I believe what first happens, and they may have changed this. I, I'm not, you know, part of the team, but I believe what happens is when you when you download the Dumpling app as a customer facing side, you input your you know your your data, your zip code is the most important one, and they're going to give you a list of shoppers to serve your zip code. And as me on my boss app, my owner side, I can actually set my own radius of how far I'm willing to serve. So I have mine set at about 13 miles because I'm out here in a northwest suburb, but I love to drive in the city. So I set mine uh, wider than I than I you know would normally be comfortable, but you know I don't really care to dr- I don't care about driving more than ten miles for my customers because my rates are fair and they fit me very well, and we have a nice kind of balance that way where I drive far, I go to multiple stores for them, and they show their kindness by you know they pay my ten dollar delivery fee, but then you know they I trust them to pay me whatever they think is fair in the form of a tip. And a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm driving away from their house like, oh, man, I really like those that family. Like, I'm going to give them free delivery, and I'm going to put a credit for the ice cream on me. You don't get to do that with any other app. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll get to choose when I make and when I lose money on an order, you know, because just by clicking in my own app. So well, back to what, kind of what you were saying is, you know, what happens when how, – how does, how does a customer find Jumpling? Well, 
how a customer finds dumpling is by any any of the the meth, creative methods that any of the dumpling business owners, individual any of the two thousand plus individual dumpling business owners choose to market themselves. Me personally, all transparency, I haven't market my, marketed myself at all, and I have thirty eight repeat customers. They found me through word of mouth, through referrals from a customer who just was like who heard a news article during COVID or something. And, and saw one of my interviews, maybe on like Democracy Now. I actually found uh, some customers for, they found me through there. I even had people calling me from from LA to to help their their parents here in my neighborhood. They figured out that I lived in their their neighborhood where they grew up, so they called or they downloaded from LA, put in their parents' zip code, and, and had me deliver groceries to their parents from three thousand miles away. Uh, and like other people are, you know, dropping, you know, just various marketing things in like a next, the next door app or starting Facebook pages. Or well, doing- see, I would, I even, I even wonder how many dumpling shoppers are so fed up with Instacart that they almost have their profile built on dumpling and a card made up for the people they get on Instacart. And they're just, yeah, all, most of them. That's, that's my hope is that all the great Instacart <laughs> shop, customers that deserve better decide to leave Instacart and go get better. And also, while they go get better service, they're also keeping more of the money in our local community. So that is my personal goal, is that all of the amazing Instacart people that I have met in my five years of delivering over 10,000 batches with Instacart, I wish every single one of those amazing customers found me on uh, the Dumpling app and I could help them at a more affordable rate with no markups. They get the receipt and they get to tip me what they want. And they can text me at 2 o'clock in the morning freaking out and say, oh, my God, I forgot to add this cake to my order tomorrow. It's my husband's uh, birthday or whatever. Is it in the order? Can you confirm? And, like, I can answer that for them. They, they, they sure. don't have to, like, be connected with a Zendesk email chain that gives them uh, an AI-generated form letter. It doesn't answer their question. You know, I love that stuff. That's what we need. Well, I, I also even was taking it a step further, I think, and saying, I wonder how many work still for Instacart only for the reason of promoting their dumpling. Uh, well, that, okay, so here we're getting into some legalities. Yeah, I know, and that's why I'm not using names. I mean, I've, I've had the same interview about Rideshare. But... So be clear, for any Instacart um, contractors who are listening to this and also thinking of we're currently using dumpling, you cannot... Solicit while you are currently on a Instacart delivery. That means you cannot put your dumpling marketing into an Instacart bag or an order. Legally, in my opinion, you should be in the clear once you leave that customer's home and start delivered. Um, then you are no longer a contractor for Instacart for that customer at that moment, and you have a legal case and you got deactivated for doing so. But what I started doing was, you know, my good customers, the ones that would like literally email us or call us and say, hey, can Matt deliver my groceries? And Instacart would say, who's Matt? And no. Um, they, they would ask me at the door, hey, can I get my throwing issue every time? And uh, the founder of Dumpling, Joel, was nice enough to send me some uh, clothing to wear. So I have a Dumpling hat that I wear basically 24-7. And my back here is when I, deliver, when I used to deliver Instacart. I turn it forward and I show them the Dumpling logo. And I tell them about Dumpling because they asked me. I'm no longer soliciting. And I know that that customer's not going to go ahead and go back to Instacart and rat on me for soliciting. They want a better option. They asked me for a better option. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that does happen, and a good portion, I think, of the new dumpling shoppers, 100% came from Instacart or shipped. 
or postmates because they're disgruntled with the fact that they have no control over not only their schedules realistically, but they also have no control over their income or their, their quality levels. They have no way to defend themselves from bad customers. They have no way to defend themselves from unsafe situations, whether it be with COVID or like, you know, their person, physical harm. Um, going back to convicted sex criminals' houses or things like that. I know my customers. They know me. I know where they live. I can do research. I can make sure I'm protected. I can make sure they're protected. Um, we have that bond, and, and that is what grocery delivery has always been about. That is what food, consuming, eating food has always been about. It's been about sharing it with your family. That's life. And, and outside of the family, then you share it with your tribe or your community. It never was just a ride to the airport like Uber can be kind of explained away as. And even then, like, you know, who are the people that drive you to the airport? Your best fucking friends. Like, you know, only your best friends are going to pick you up or drive you to the airport because it's a pain in the ass. But now we're treating strangers like shit and paying them sub-minimum wage levels without health benefits because an app told us it's okay. It's not okay. Right. It's not okay. You know? And, 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 and they know that. The customers don't know they've been conditioned. The smart ones do. The, the, the apps, the whole thesis of their business model is predicated on psychological manipulation. It's about bells and whistles and tricking you into thinking that a ride to the airport from where I'm at, and what, uh, 45 minutes outside of Chicago. I'm, I'm actually right next to O'Hare Airport, so it's not a good example. Um, but like, you know, a ride to the airport from the western suburbs out here costs 22, 25 bucks, but you can take, from where I'm at, you can, you could take an Uber and Lyft for about eight bucks. But like, that's because they're supplementing the cost with Saudi Arabian money, venture capitalist money, Sequoia money, in the case of Instacart or whoever else just in, in, invested in them recently, uh, the $225 million, making a four of a fucking billionaire. Um, but it, it, it's there's subsidized costs. There's real costs to these services, and you know my customers are okay paying the real costs so much so that sometimes I'm uncomfortable charging them that so much that I don't think the amount of work I did was worth the amount they're trying to pay me. So I'll actually give them money back, and then they'll just go right back into the app and put it right back on because they're like, no, that's what I think it's worth, and they want to overpay me. Like you have that option when when you're using something like Dumpling that is literally kind of just like a payment platform. They don't tell you what your name is. They don't tell you who your customers are. They don't tell you where you can shop or what you can do. They right. just make it possible so you can do what you want to do. That's not illegal. You know, I'm not delivering like weed or anything out here. Sure. Uh, hopefully that is something we can add in the future because I think that's a very beneficial service. And some, someone in Colorado, you know, when I lived there in Fort Collins, we used to get uh, weed delivery, but you would buy the little cheap pipe and they would give you the weed for free. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's where they got around the, the law there. Uh, but, you know, we're not trying to do that with Dumpling to get them in trouble. But maybe one day, uh, you know, there'll be a great awakening. It'll be federally legal. And just like, what, Drizzly and them delivering alcohol, which is a way more dangerous drug, uh, we can get some cancer patients and some, some pop moms and medications so they can be good mommies and uh, be pain-free. Yeah, we have. A, I think we have a pretty good system out here for for the marijuana industry and how we treat. Yeah, you guys are in the lead, I believe. In the lead, you had a lot of time to do it. I'm really jealous of your guys' system coming from the Chicago but system. Especially in the way we treat um, medical patients, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they get home delivery. They get 
They yeah. get instructional use. They get people who sit exactly. with them. And I mean, the works. It's That's, really. We need that federally. We need that federally. Yeah. That would solve so many problems if we would just fund that federally. And that's actually something I, I, I was talking about on a different interview about uh, federally subsidizing grocery delivery. You know, a lot of people are asking, like, you know, why can't Instacart take food stamps? Or why can't Dumpling take, uh, you know, Link or whatever your state calls it? Because um, there's a lot of laws in the way preventing that. But, like, you know, one, I think a lot of a lot of folks who are experiencing kind of food scarcity and kind of financial issues where they're, they're not able to afford healthy food, uh, to expect them to, to not be able to take advantage of these types of services, like, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and something that Dumpling will allow you to do, actually, is if, if, if the, 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 the boss, uh, the Dumpling uh, contractor is comfortable, like, I could take food stamps. Say, like, uh, say my mom's childhood friend who's a, a widow, has, like, three kids, lives in her mom's house. Uh, she knows that her childhood best friend, my mom, has a son who does grocery delivery, but she can't afford the $10 grocery delivery, and she can't afford to put a credit card in the Dumpling app that she gets her groceries through what we call Link here in Illinois, Link. Okay. Um, so, like, what I would be able to do is I'd be able to actually go to her house and pick up her Link card and, like, use it. Um and then just give it back to her when I get her groceries. If that's something that I wanted to do as a, as a friend slash grocery delivery person. And then if she had like an extra five, five dollars or ten dollars, she could throw it to me cash when I got there. But I have the freedom to do that. That's sure. just something that I can sure. do on Instacart, you know? And especially with obviously regular customers, you have a rapport Definitely, and you know yeah. what to expect. Yeah. And, and, and the way that Dumpling is, in, is pretty much designed, it's not, it's not specifically, uh, you, you don't have to use it as such, but, but the, the, I think the inherent nature of Dumpling is that you do build a pipeline like the old sales techniques. You know, go to old Joe, get your shoes repaired. Oh, we go to Johnny for our cars for 30 years, you know. Yeah. Like, you go to Matt for, the, for your groceries, and I'm going to be here in your community for the rest of my life. Who knows? So you, you need groceries, you call Matt, you know. And, and you know, we I have... 75,000 uh, people in my town. Like, I can't serve all of them. So, like, you know, there's plenty of space for people. Sure. And, and I think we just kind of need to get back to that. And, and ultimately, I, I think uh, that's what Dumpling allows us to do. So, um, and, yeah. well, on the, sh- on the shopper end of on, on Dumpling site, too, it also said, I saw, we'll keep your credit card loaded. What is that? Uh, on the shopper side. Uh, like the people. Uh, you're looking at. The customer side? No, no, the app? people providing the service. It's because it says you set your own prices, keep 100% of your tips, you yeah, choose yeah, your clients. Okay. So, so this would be like, this would be like Joel telling me my, my card is loaded. So I think maybe what you're asking about is like how you pay for groceries. You use a, a corporate issued PEX card. The Instacart has these green kind of PEX cards, like uh, they're, they're backed by Stripe and Visa. Sure. And, uh, they're preloaded for your orders, so you can swipe them and track everything. And, and then, so I don't have to get my customer's uh, contact information, like their, their credit card information. Right. Like nine, 99.9 out of 100 people, even if I know them, you know, I don't want your credit card information. You right. know, I don't, I don't prefer to take your credit card to the grocery store or anything like that, you know. So it's so, just it's know, just the same type of thing. It's, it's worth, just the same type of thing. Yeah, it's okay. the same thing. It's just they, fund, they pre-fund a card to a certain amount, and, you know, they're they're – there's a there's a problem with I guess fraud and theft on all the apps. I think Dumplin is the best position to protect themselves from it because it's just the nature of the job. You have to set up your own account. You have to market yourself. You have to find your own clients. And like you know, scammers work hard, 
but they're they're into working hard for a second before they find the scam, and then they don't work at all. You know, they just let the scam work. Sure. Um, so, like, with Dumplings Protected, because you can't, like, automate a lot of the stuff. You have to reach out to your own customers. You have to, like, communicate with them like a human. You have to find them. You have to grocery shop. So, like, when we're talking about, like, secure payments, you you, you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself from, from a business point, standpoint uh, as far as, like, like Dumpling or, or uh, wants to. Uh, so, they're just using the same kind of payment model that Instacart would use, whereas, you know, you, you can't have, like, a thousand people sign up to Instacart today and then they all take that credit card to Costco and buy a bunch of TVs and then quit Instacart. That actually happened in San Francisco. Um, but, uh, you know, so you just want to protect yourselves and you want to protect your customers. So they use Stripe as their secure payment platform, not only to pay us out our payments for delivery fees and our tips, but also protecting the, the customer's uh, financial information, making sure that no dumpling contractor has access to that. Cool. So the yeah. Okay. So that 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 answers that. But oh, the, the... Oh, well, actually, I think maybe another thing that's also a marketing tactic, specifically, is kind of like a, for lack of a better term, a dog whistle to like Instacart shoppers who find more times than not their cards aren't working in the grocery store when they're out of shop. So they end up paying with their own money, and it takes like weeks, if at all, for Instacart to pay them back for that. Um, so one thing that Dumpling prides themselves on is not rushing the scale. So they have a good support team that actually responds immediately with your actual problem and you won't be left hanging in a grocery store with no funds on your card that's issued by Dumpling, meaning you have to potentially front upwards of $400 worth of groceries for a client that you don't want to lose. So I think that's a dig at Instacart as well. Make sure your card always has funds because we're here for you. We'll never leave you hanging. Whereas Instacart has 500 plus thousand shoppers and they have a twelve million dollar support center in Atlanta that is just woefully underprepared, undertrained, understaffed. That they've outsourced to uh, Bogota, Colombia, India, and the Philippines, and that these uh, the people working the phones and support don't know how to use Instacart, what it is, and what's going on. Therefore, <laughs> you never get your problem resolved. No, so I... that's kind of, I think, a dig at Instacart, and I love that Joel and the team take every opportunity to take a failed dig at them because they're garbage, man. And they're preying on people and they're preying on illness and they deserve all the licks that they get. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the same way with, uh, you know, with rideshare. It's not like, it's not like after a ride and if I have an issue with the payment or somehow it crashed or whatever, then I relaunch and it's not showing. It's not like uh-huh. I, I pull over to the side and take those hours to resolve the problem. I get through my right. shift and then deal with it because I know what a headache it's going to be. Yeah, and that, well, here, that leads me to another uh, great, great dichotomy that a lot of folks in the industry and you as a podcast owner are in the industry and our, our language and the semantics of how we distinguish these different app jobs. So one thing that Instacart got away with and still gets away with uh, to this day is something that we all know as industry standard rates. Yeah. <laughs> so, in, in, so you know, what would what just off the top of your head, what do you think is the the the, the net labor output of going to Chipotle? And getting a burrito to somebody in a half hour and going to Costco and getting $1,200 worth of groceries in four hours. Do you think those two jobs are, are comparable? No. <laughs> They're not. No. And Instacart's been getting away with paying people below minimum wage. Not that Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash or 
any of the people, millions of people doing those jobs deserve minimum wage either. But when we're talking comparing, that's apples and oranges, man. Like, you can't be paying uh, a mom with MS $7 to be carrying 12 cases of water and getting elbowed in the face to get, like, a four-pack of Angel Soft toilet paper for, for a, what would amount to a, probably a net payment if she got to keep her tip of maybe $3 during a pandemic. Instacart yeah. is doing this. Well, uh, that's – actually, that that leads me to the, to the actual big last thing I wanted to bring up was the pandemic because – Pre the pandemic, not only you but other people I know do do Instacart. We're already on the on the train of this thing needs to go down. Like yeah. you know what I mean. This is before the yeah. pandemic, but yeah. rideshare drivers alike and this everybody I've talked to with rideshare was a little different. When the pandemic started hitting, it was a fairly easy swap to switch over to Eats, DoorDash, yeah. Postmates, and just start doing that because rideshare yeah. went one day from whatever you average make to zero and yeah, eats went down. from really low to through the roof with cash tips in the beginning and all kinds of stuff. And now, you know, same, same kind of thing happened. It seemed like with Instacart, I felt like they were crashing, crashing, crashing and that pandemic happened and it almost, well, uh, yeah, I, 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 well, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just feel like it almost gave them lifeblood again. I, it depends on your point of view and your perspective, doesn't it? I mean, not, um, not so in a, not I, in a good way to us, the workers. I'm just okay. saying, I almost felt like they were, because I even heard stories about, and you probably know about exactly what I'm talking about, about like the best orders being put to the side. Uh, yeah, all the, the bots and, and other various ways that those things are taken from hardworking, honest shoppers. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just so muddy. And such, uh, it's so dependent on your your point of view is that, so I think prior to COVID, I think we were just doing business as usual with Instacart. We were landing some good punches on them uh, towards the end there and, sure. and uh, really kind of opening up some eyes. But I think, you know, we weren't, we weren't getting a big enough results fast enough. And I think ultimately, if that timeline continued, that they would have, Continue to treat Instacart contractors, shoppers like shit for the next, I would have probably said four to eight years before they were fully automated out of the position with whatever type of robot or, or evolution of grocery delivery may have become. But I think when COVID came, we were able to, to actually take a breath at, from the activist contractor side and reassess and, and kind of re-motivate ourselves because now we're suddenly being talked about as heroes and frontline workers, so we had a platform. And I think that is what obviously became a catalyst for the to be able to build the future that, that we, we need and that the, the people driving for Uber or shopping for Target-owned, uh, you know, shipped and Postmates and, you know, Champaign-Urbana's own Tony's Juice DoorDash uh, valued at $13 billion – I think these people deserve better, and I think now they're realizing that they do deserve better. I think before COVID, it was like, ah, it's a hustle. It's a side gig. Gary V, all this, all that. You know, we're just, just a side hustle. Get over it. Get a different job. Don't do it then. But now people are realizing, and I knew our unemployment numbers were skewed for years because I know how many people are actually working in the gig economy, and now it's all of a sudden some big surprise that there's like 50 million people in a gig economy. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, since COVID, we've seen, what, a 50, 55% increase in food delivery. Uh, it's already projected to be a trillion-dollar industry within the next decade. So that pe- the, the, the people in charge know this. Uh, so Instacart immediately went to capitalize on it. And I, they, they did everything. Doing nothing would have been better than what they did. But right. I think at the end of the day, objectively, it's a net neutral if you're looking at the two sides as far as like activist workers' rights versus pro-corporate, uh, you know, anti-union uh, profits over people stuff. Because, you know, people are forced to stay home. They're forced to use grocery delivery. And unfortunately, because we don't blame, we hopefully, I speak for just myself, I don't want to scale fast. Uh, just not ready to handle, you know, 50 million people joining the platform who are now out of work. So we're approaching 50 million out of work people, not only who want to flood the gig economy to make even a dollar a day, which is better than no dollars a day or negative dollars a day. Uh, but I think, you know, we both capitalized on it and one capitalized on it in a gross way to line their pockets and increase their, their valuation. And one side capitalized on it in a, 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 a way that came from community love, empathy, and caring about our fellow worker. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I think history will show who's on the right side here when we're able to kind of shake away the bells and whistles of these apps and say, okay, these were pyramid schemes. These were built on bunk philosophies from people with potential personality deficiencies and potential sociopathic personality tendencies that really eliminated a lot of what was to be held sacred in not only like our community, our society, but like in humanity as like a core of living, of a living being, you know, like you can't automate this stuff away. And, you know, I was so glad, you know, over the course of my organizing the last four or five years pre COVID just to see some tech lash and to see people questioning, you know, AI, facial recognition, oh, yeah. canceling, canceling their prime accounts. And, you know, now that we're also able to see just the inherent racism in all these things as well, as far as like, uh, you know, Uber charging higher rates to be dropped off in, you know, uh, yeah. black neighborhoods or Hispanic neighborhoods or, or Instacart, um, you know, preying on undocumented immigrants and the hiring process and overlooking uh, state regulations for, for, for those hire-ons. Because basically all of the 200,000 people in Sicard just hired, they're recently out of work and probably close to eviction, uh, or they're like they're families of immigrants um, who have no other work, and, and, some, and they're able to make a, a, a good living doing this. They are, and especially if they, like you had mentioned, uh, are buying access to third-party apps like uh, Hours Ninja or or Karate Hours or whatever these bots are called, um, which I believe originated off the dark web and then are just basically bought and resold by you know criminals and idiots who really don't understand the tech behind them and what they do to a platform. Well, they're all and, they're also legally bought and sold too. I mean, our TOS is a checkbox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, and, and all you drivers, see. shoppers, everybody out there listening, just realize that I know sometimes I'm not the best always at reading what I click, I agree on, but you know, just realize that those TOSs do hold up and they're pretty pathetic. Which is why we don't we don't see uh, Amazon doing much about you know the hours grabbers or Instacart doing anything really about the bots that are basically siphoning the orders and then giving the penis to people like because it helps the business it gets orders grabbed fast and delivered fast 
And that's what Instacart wants. So what is their incentive to stop it? Yeah. You know, they don't, they would rather have a bunch of faceless people blindly accepting orders and fulfilling them immediately than assholes like me questioning everything. Like it's, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but at the end of the day, it never had to be that way where there are hordes of assholes like me questioning everything. And at the end of the day, don't do shady shit that needs to be questioned. Be transparent. Be open. Don't use psychological manipulations. Like, you know, you know, Uber and Instacart and DoorDash. They, they oh, yeah. Are, like whole departments that that basically have consultants and teams of, uh, of psychologists that manipulate consumer behaviors. Like, yeah. not only from the consumer side, but the contractor side. And they test these different interfaces in different areas. And whichever one produces the results that are most desirable to them, they go with that until they find another grift or scam to change it up. You know, it's like owning a bar. It gets stale after a while, so yep. you got to kind of rebrand yourself, remove locations, and this and that just to keep the life in it. Otherwise, people stop using Uber, and they start using whatever, you know? Whatever. They start using the new one. I don't know. Look at something and take a, a vowel out of it and call it your app. Start sure. looking at Mbia. Yeah. That's my new app, Mbia. Teaches you how to dance while waiting for your ride share. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I guess I guess the only thing I would see maybe with Instacart with the that could hurt them maybe is that they lost so many of their veterans like you or other people that now they could be in a serious crisis with as somebody who's been in business for many years too like they could be in a serious crisis with turnover because it does add up. And well, because they, but here, and that's why they're young and inexperienced, and a lot of the people running these businesses have, have never really had the experience to make these decisions. Uh, and you're absolutely um, right. Could you repeat kind of the last thing that you said? Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm on it. So you're, ta- you're talking about labor pool exhaustion. So due to the nature of these apps, you know, and they call it flexible, but anyone can download it. Uh, during COVID, actually, Instacart, and I believe Uber, turned off their background checks. All Instacart had you do to sign on to during the height of the, the, the chaos of the pandemic. We are literally in the height of the pandemic today. Most cases reported today. But in the height of the panic due to the pandemic, uh, Instacart turned off their background checks. And all you had to do was answer a one-question thing. It said, in the last seven years, were you convicted of a felony? Yes or no? If you checked no, you are automatically hired and they automatically sent you your tax card in the mail but told you, you can sign up for Google Pay right now and start shopping today. Download the app. Here you go. Thousands of people did that, and none of the Google Pays worked. You can actually go back in, uh, you know, uh, the Instacart, like, timelines or hashtags and see examples of all these new green Instacart shoppers getting stuck in those grocery stores and paying for groceries with their own money because Instacart's tech failed because their greed blinded them, and they just wanted to get Fodder out in the stores, capitalizing on all the profits. Uh, that's that is the that is the it. That's what they did, and that's what they continue to do. And they do this because they are young and experienced, and have too much hubris to understand that their labor pool is not unlimited. Right, Gen exactly. Z doesn't will not work these jobs and be treated like this. You saw what they just did. They just messed Trump up just because they wanted to. Yeah. Like, like my nephew would never do a gig job because he's like, "Fuck that, homie!" Like, I'm just gonna go hang out at the park. I don't need to spend money. Like, I, I live on a couch. Like, I'm not trying to work for Uber or Instacart. And he's like 20, so they're, they're not gonna <laughs> get anyone to replace these older drivers who are like literally dying. 
the 50, 60 year old immigrant drivers. So they just think that they're going to, they, they, well, I think they know they have a limited labor pool. They just thought that they were going to get to automation faster. They were going to beat the depletion of the labor pool. But now we're seeing Uber divesting in self-driving technology. Waymo and them are now like open sourcing it all because oh, all Uber, Uber, Uber completely pulled out last week. It. They closed yeah, it. They scrapped it. So like now they know that. So just by those announcements, every single gig worker should have felt emboldened on that day because that means you have more time to find your voice and fight back for your rights as a human being, a fight to a living wage, uh, a nice life where one job is enough. It doesn't matter if it's delivering groceries or sitting in an office or anything. There is no such thing as a fucking side hustle. A right. job is a job is a job is a job. Yeah. And, and a lot of people just have many jobs. And that's fine, too. There's yeah. a lot of people that can't do one thing. I myself would get bored in traditional work. I get bored with grocery shopping every now and then. But since I'm my own boss, truly, and I make enough money with dumpling to a four-time off, I just say, hey, hey, babe, turn off the uh, the schedule today and tomorrow. We're just going to relax and watch some movies and, and eat some eclairs or whatever we want to do. And then mm. I'm fresh for two days. I don't, have to, I don't have to log in every day because I'm making $4 an hour. So, like, they prey on that. And it's not... It's not a new thing. They did that. They did that in the Haymarket riots. They did that at the Ford factories. They did that at the meat plants. They did that at the shoe factories. They did that at the coal plants. It's not new. No. They're just tricking people into thinking it's new, and they're th- and, and they're they're beating people down while fakely building them up with people like you know the Tony Robbins and the Gary V and the the, the the Tesla fandom. You know, all these people think they're like you know they're just temporary. What do they say? Temporary and published millionaires. Yeah. You know, I'm just driving Uber until I get my side business up. But like, what's your side business? Do you have time to work on it, or are you just constantly driving for Uber? Where's your flexibility? Oh, they changed rates, but uh, I'm working on these bonuses. Oh, but the bonuses are you have to work three days straight and accept 85% of your rates that pay below minimum wage to get a bonus that will take you maybe up to minimum wage. It's predatory. It's yeah. a game, and they hope that you're bad at math. And the unfortunate part is most of us are. Well, you know, and I, I don't know if you've if you've heard some of the other podcasts, but uh, David over at Autonomy.Jobs has created a free tool for all gig workers, for every single platform, where he can pull you data that will exactly show you how much you're making per hour, what the hours are that you should work in your area, what gigs pay the best during those. Yeah, it's all free to you guys. Go over to autonomy.jobs. Definitely do that. That's actually what Dumpling was going to be at the beginning before they pivoted to an actual delivery app. They were called My Gig. It was a similar thing. And actually, uh, the, the good folks over at Working Washington, Emily. Uh, uh, Sage, if you're listening to this, if you have time, I know you guys are super busy. They also have pay calculators to help you break down exactly what you're making net after expenses and taxes and stuff that they uh, allowed us to use and, and tra- use as tracking over the, the years that we've been organizing to actually show physical proof. Well, the, the, you, fu- the you, funniest you, part about what David's doing is he actually was the person who started, he's a friend too, but he's actually the person who started Uber, launched the actual location when they launched in las vegas in arizona and he was one of the people involved in the operations down there when they did that and so what's what's odd is that he's actually autonomy.jobs is working with a company called you may have heard heard of called argyle and argyle used to provide or used to do all the data management for uber and now they're giving data or david 
all the access if the drivers want it to every record they have. That's that's awesome, man. We need more people like that. We need we need to shake this this hardened shell of like fake democratic actual like pseudo libertarianism uh, away from our businesses, uh, especially because they're presenting themselves as something completely different um, in, in their choices and their business decisions and practices. Um, but that is amazing. And what we've always wanted and needed from the activist side from day one is, you know, t- basically disgruntled former employees that were basically used and abused just like us. Like all those people who just got laid off from Uber and Lyft. Uh, you know, some a couple hundred got laid off from Instacart uh, last year, but no one really ever really wants to kind of do the, in my opinion, the right thing and speak out. Uh, but also, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, gag orders and, and liability issues that they're afraid of because, you know, they just lost a major source of income and whatnot. But, you know, doing what's right is right. And I, I think it really would help, uh, you know, just society as a whole if a lot of these former or reformed tech workers, specifically Stanford graduates and Silicon Valley graduates and TechCrunch and Y Combinator graduates uh, who have seen the error of their ways uh, speak out. Uh, we're seeing a, a little bit of an increase in that, you know, all the Facebook people, but they're not quitting in mass. Yeah. Uh, they're just writing very angry letters and still getting those direct deposits into their accounts. Um, you know, well, we have one Amazon uh, person, VP resigned, maybe. Um, not much, you know, a lot of empty, hollow statements, uh, not a lot of action. So if any people are listening and are afraid to speak up, you know, a lot of people have spoken up. Susan Fowler uh a lot of different people and uh you know there are there are ways to to blow the whistle i i don't know specifically but i know if i was one of you i'd be trying to find the way yeah and i i don't know exactly about the site you were referring to but people check i I said this the last two weeks but check out autonomy.jobs it's free uh david pickerell runs the site former uber uh um uh staff who just had had it and now he's working directly with the company that uber can't sue who has all your data and now he, they've tied in every, i mean instacart's in there all of them are in there. there's like 32 different gigs you can have that he can pull the api data for up to like five years back I'm definitely going to check that out ASAP. I actually just wrote that down. That's 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 <laughs> an amazing tool. That's an amazing tool. A lot yeah. of people, I don't know. It's it's, it's like uh, I don't know. Cyber but people matrix. people doing this at all, if you do it part time or full time, should see this data. You should see the data yeah. on yourself because there's they're owning it, they're selling it. You should at least know. You should have a copy of it. Right, and, and at the end of the day, the, da- the data is what they're selling. Not only our data, but the customers' data. It's it's not even about like the ride from one place to another, or the the no. sandwich, or the burrito, or the the grocery. It's about the data, the behaviors, the the patterns. You know, Instacart's valued at thirteen billion dollars, and that's they don't own an apple. They they don't own an orange or a watermelon or a steak. They own data. To be honest, even even the people like you and I who really have delved deep into this, I don't even think we understand how much they make off the data. Oh, I mean, I have a, I have a general idea. They got tons of yeah, I mean, but, broad, but they got like, but the number of time the number of times they sell us a day is crazy, oh, yeah. and what they sell us for yeah. demographics and this. And, we we I mean, were able a bunch of us were able to to kind of brainstorm at least twelve different 
methods that they could sell our data, but out of those 12 different methods is a whole tree branch of different methods. Exactly. Um, and they make, they make money on every single transaction. Yeah, and I mean, and, and they learn more every day, and they just, yeah. I mean, they, they the value of their algorithm, I would say, or their 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 their, their brainchild that is their their storage, their data. You know, they don't, they're not, they're, they're just, they, yeah, they're selling, I mean, they're selling the data, and then eventually, what? What's what's the end game? You know, are you gonna? They're never gonna want to give that data back to the grocery stores. Uh, grocery stores are only going to be able to compete against that by hiring former Instacart uh, developers, probably, or maybe someone like me who can like kind of scrap fight them. Um, but at the end of the day, like, well, I mean, I can only guess that Instacart's ultimate goal is to either sell to Amazon or continue to go head to head with them and just suck as much money out of the battle as they can. And then kind of fizzle out once Amazon actually swallows them, if our federal government allows Amazon to do such. But, you know, what's the end game of trying to gobble it all up? You know, like, what's it worth? Yeah, that's why, well, hopefully out of this pandemic, we see more startups, you know, like when you said dumpling, I know it's been around for a while and stuff, but when I went and checked it out, I just love to see these type of things and know they're there. I can't say that they're in every city yet or whatever, but... They're in every state. Uh, we have a shopper in all 50 states, uh, 2,000 growing, more sign on every day. Like I said earlier, uh, all of those 2,000, at very minimum, just the people who, are, who want to participate, 10% of those are black-owned, verified businesses. Um, a lot of um, single mothers doing uh, the job and for the first time in their lives feeling you know, fully autonomous from whatever life situation they had going on. Those stories are amazing to watch. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a, it's a great thing and everyone should check it out. Uh, it's not for everybody, uh, but if it's for you, it's, it's definitely worth it. So, yeah, that's, and that's dumpling.us for everybody that was, if you're going to .com, it's .us. I don't know if they have the .com as well, but are you okay uh, if anybody wanted to reach out and contact you through Twitter? Yeah, please do. If they had uh, questions, are or... always open. If you have any questions, you can find me at Matthew Tellis, M A T T H E W T E L L E S, or just search around any of the Instacart hashtags. I'm always creeping around on something. Um, yeah, I always see you, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I'm going to definitely put this that hash that uh, Twitter handle in the notes for this. So. You can also find him through. You can find Matthew through this and directly link to him. Um, but yeah, because I mean, these are the companies that need to start. You know, we had Launder on here. We had we talked to that company out of Austin that's trying rideshare. These are the guys that yeah. coming out of the pandemic need to step up. There yeah, needs to be competition. Rideshare. I, I really want to check out and actually try and connect with the Austin rideshare guys. That story is really awesome. That like they kept Uber and Lyft out for so long and like created their own kind of thing. It's, it's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Well, they went down, and now there's another company back up, though, that's uh, Ride Austin. Yeah, even better. You know, and that's, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, actually, they actually, like, work with local banks. They give back to the community. It's a whole thing on their webpage. You can see that they're doing well, the right dumpling, thing. Just, in the, in the individual dumpling owners are doing that, too. They're actually becoming the almost, like, unofficial Trader Joe's delivery team, uh, working actually with store management, 
not only like like major chains like Trader Joe's that don't have their own delivery, but smaller mom and pop shops, you know, going up to the owner or the manager. And like, I even had my own Costco manager, like, Oh my God, these Instacart people are killing me. Like you should market yourself right here. So you can come in and like take the work from them because we like you. We we're not happy with what's going on with Instacart. They were letting them go in there at like six in the morning and they were getting into fights. It's chaos. And like, you know, me and my partner were just quiet headphones in. It's like, here you go. Um, you know because we're not stressed about time we have our schedule for the day our orders are in advance we know our people we know inventory and we're not trying to do as many orders in a day to add up to an actual day's value i i only have to do one or two shops a day and i've hit my 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 level where i can put some aside for savings and that's like i've never was really able to do that with instacart so you know it's pretty cool that's awesome. Hey, thank you for coming on and all the information because you even you spilled a lot to me that I didn't even know too. But uh, I like I'm loving exposing some of this stuff because we were supposed to launch this podcast before the pandemic. The website UberLiftDrivers.com has been around for three years now and does worldwide traffic. But we wanted to do this, and then it became. Uh, you know, the pandemic hit, and I was just kind of like, "Well, let's let's just pause because I'm not even. Yeah. I don't know what to do." And then. Two weeks into the pandemic, I was like, wait, I'm just going to start it. Why not, you know? And so it just became people get coming on, too, and it's it's just evolved in the right way. It's been the right yeah, people it, it, talking about good subject matter and things that you should know. to evolve as, to, as they need to, man. Yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of people who are thinking about podcasts, you know, initially were like, you know, first they're like, well, let's put everything on pause. Everyone put everything on pause until we know what, what's going on. And then you're like, wait, 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 what better time to start a podcast than now? You know, we got a captive audience. You got people with enough free time to actually give a shit about important issues. So, like, I'm excited to see what you do in the future. You know, this was fun to do. Uh, I'm happy to talk with you again and down the road uh, once you got a million uh, listeners and see what's changed in the gig industry. But, uh, you know, until then, like, congrats on starting this up, man. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to listen to the future. I already listened to a couple of them uh, today. Uh, a lot of AB5 talk. Yeah, I actually, I actually, hey, I need to get in touch with, and I've said this on a couple of things with somebody, and you know, I, 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 I chat off, I, I chat personally with like Vina and stuff, um, but I need to get somebody who's who's active, who could come on on the yay side of AB5, and who's a veteran. So if that, if anybody yeah, pops into your yeah. mind. Who'd be... Well, the ones I know are super busy right now. They're not busy. They're sure. like on vacation. Um, we have tons of strong leading ladies and, and, and gentlemen now. We have more men joining the, the fight. Finally, it's been like me and like 100 women uh, for the last yeah. couple of years. I'm on the grocery side, at least. Um, so uh, I, I might be able to talk to a couple people. I mean, I, I know, I some, mean, I know I, some people. I'm just wanting to reach out to the right one. Exactly. I, like, I mean, I'm not... I. I I believe I know a lot of the, the right ones. They, they live in the state. They're affected by the law. Uh, they know that it's not perfect. But I've got counter arguments, which is, I think, what, what you're looking for. Because I think, you know, from what I was listening to, I, I heard a lot of just kind of like, you know, obviously anti-85, pill, and this and that. Um, but ultimately, I don't have any skin in that game. But I do know that when, uh, you know, we're drafting our bill here, which has already started in motion, no, 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 and it's go, it's going on everywhere. It's in Jersey. It's in there. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. there's thing, there's they're things started every. Tri-State Alliance. Yeah, no, I know where they, they are. They're, they're 
just, I mean, just, just, just so you're clear, though, I sit on both sides of the fence. I mean, I do lean one way, but that's only because of I have a family and I know how I earn. Because I absolutely, I absolutely feel, I absolutely feel for the other side. I am not somebody who would have somebody on a podcast and rip them. I'm just looking to understand better. Right, and I think that'd be pretty important. But I think it goes both ways. You know, like my, I myself, I'm very pro eighty five. Uh, having come out of the film industry, like one of my degrees is in filmmaking. A lot of my friends are still in filmmaking. That's obviously a lot of independent contracting work, some union work, uh, if you're lucky to get it. Um, but uh, and I, I, I do work alongside the UFCW uh, on a paid role, and I'm trying to get them any dues paid or money. It's not about money when I work with them. It's about uh, respecting the workers. Um, but I think there's a lot to be learned from AB5, and I think a lot of people were affected by it that weren't necessarily supposed to be. I think at the end of the day, should just write a law specifically targeting the gig economy. And, and I mean, that's and see, you just hit it on the head. That's why I'm wondering why that. That's why I want somebody on here. I want to know why that wasn't what was done. Because not many people have taken the time to do the actual fucking job, man. You know, people yeah. didn't know that DoorDash was trash until that New York Times guy signed up to do the job for a week and wrote an article about it, and people wanted to cry for him. And he's like a paid journalist, probably making, what, 40000 a year, 50 and an actual DoorDash person's making maybe twenty, maybe ten, maybe 6000 a year. Uh, you know, like people just need to, I, I, I would challenge everyone to sign up and try the job. Then you'll have more empathy and we're going to, we would see laws immediately. We would see changes the next day. If everyone was forced to work a week in the economy, there would be <laughs> riots. There would be more riots than there already are because it does pray. I mean, not just because, oh, it'll piss off the white people too now, but because like uh, right now without everyone signing up the gigs, it is mostly you know, uh, minorities being preyed upon. You know, if you look at the actual numbers of the gig economy, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, there's it's a majority of, you know, uh, my, what would be considered uh, minorities in, in America. So, like, you know, it sucks to say out loud, but get all of the affluent white people to drive an Uber for a week or deliver groceries for a week, and you would see a lot of change, and that is sad that that's what it might take. Yeah, I mean, true. You know, but there's a lot of people who would need to do a lot of jobs before they'd really get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, because we, I mean, we usually find, I don't know if it's different with Uber, but usually, you know, you get those people that come into all the various groups and say, I'm making money, I love it, uh, they're good to me, I got nothing bad to say. And then, like, two months, three months later, they're back, like, oh, man, I was so wrong, this shit sucks. Where did all my money go? You know, but then there's some that just never get there. They never get to that, that three-month point when the rugs pull out from under them. I don't really know how to talk to those people or reach those people. Um, I don't know. It's it's like it's like me, a, uh, a former Democrat. Now I don't know what I am trying to like have a have a have a civil, concise argument with a a far right Republican right now. Oh. It's it's not worth the it's not worth the breath. No. It's no. just so impossible, like for both sides, you know? Yeah. I, I was actually just way. I was actually just gonna flip that and say, you know, think about somebody knowing who you are, wanting to meet you, but they're a Trump uh, fan or something. They're not even gonna right, why if, bother. Okay, <laughs> but I know but, but but if we all say why bother, but you can but then one could say, you know, if it's gonna be okay, um pro uber paying people sub-minimum wages 
I'm pro Uber corporate. I'm I'm a driver. I'm pro Uber corporate. I love AB5. I love all the stuff they're doing. And so what's what's the incentive for that one person beside outside of themselves, if anything, outside of their one singular, maybe selfish, if that's the right word, point of view perspective, that basically goes against thousands upon thousands of gig workers who are screaming for change. And not change that's just like like nuanced to change, like, oh, I want this a little bit better. This just isn't quite good enough. It's like people are committing suicide, man. Uber drivers oh, are you, jumping you, in front yeah. of trains. You don't so, need... like, I mean, we're fighting against that. Like, one, I mean, there is a, a there is not a 100% right or wrong or a right side or a wrong side, but at the end of the day, with just the objective data, one side is fighting for good change and one side is kind of fighting to keep the status quo for themselves, in my opinion. Well, or maybe, you know, I talked, I talked to quite a few or maybe it's more their markets. And I think that that I'm I'm talking about like Uber drivers who are specific to pro AB5. I'm not talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm not talking about film industry people. No, no, this is like, this is what I'm talking about though, too. Like there are some markets who the drivers way prefer that. Maybe they have another gig. There's so many reasons they might not be. Again, you can't just lump them. It can't be that they're on the right if they want if they don't want AB five, and they're on the left if they do. Kind of thing. It's there's so many then, reasons you might want no AB five, and there's and there's and, and a lot why you Twitter, might. And that's why Twitter may not be the best place to have that discourse. Because, no, it's not you know, at all. We end up just shouting at each other and and doing these like kind of. Um, you know, just at personal attacks when, yeah. you know, if, we, if there was an actual platform to talk clearly and, and not just shut people down or get emotional. But the unfortunate part of it is that it messes with people's money, which is their lives, which is a very emotional issue. But if we could find the right leaders on both sides to, like, convene, you know, That's I, don't what... think e- I don't know if either side and even the middle side, which I guess would technically be the, the legal system uh, or the various politicians on each side. Even has a good enough leader yet, or has found one to, to be that voice to, to have a, a, a adult conversation and and not have to admit some fault because there's fault all around. Like yeah. like uh, Lorena Gonzalez has some fault because she doesn't fully understand the nuances of the job and the payments, and and there's a fault of you know the people attacking you know uh, personal attacks and doxing and screaming and cyberbullying. And then that's on our side as well, screaming and cyberbullying. See, and that's, and all this I stuff. think that if you've, if you've followed my tweets enough, I really do try and stay neutral. Mm-hmm. Like, I do try and present both sides. I do and try and. And that, right now, more than ever, is also a very hard position to take uh, because a lot of people on the, I guess we would say, left leaning pro labor side uh, can read that. Uh, as that kind of smarmy devil's advocate kind of that. Well, that's where sorry, I just have to. I, wanna, I just I have to. I just have to hope they would because I do like I presenting both sides. Right, but you know, there's a meme going on right now that's just hilarious. And uh, sorry to go back to our, our race thing, a topic again. But there's this meme going on. It's like a picture of a, a, a Caucasian 
30-year-old male, and it's like him talking. So it's like, hi, I'm just here to play devil's advocate, as if I was out getting more, uh, to, to derail the conversation and blah, 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 do all this and make you waste all this mental energy, explain stuff that I, you know I already know. I just wanted you to get frustrated, and when you start attacking me, I'm going to call you out for it kind of thing. And it's like a personality type. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very delicate balance to not be seen as that. And, and it's, I don't know, I think maybe even at the end of the day, that might, uh, and no offense to you, maybe a little bit of a cop-out, kind of playing both sides, but because of the nature of the profession, it is just so nuanced, you know, that I, I, I could see it both ways. You know, and if I, if I lead one way or, it. if but if I lead one way or the other, and I don't mean that I'm just trying to you know, play it both sides. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to get no, the, know, I'm trying to get the information out for mm-hmm. both sides through right. the right people that can, that can say it right. But so that other people hear that. And you know what? Cause if you're not willing, if I find the best person to speak on AB five pro and the best person to speak on it con, and you listen to only one of those, because that's the way you lean. I have a problem with that because I think you need yeah, to listen to both. Nice. Yeah, in it's bias. yeah it, I mean, it's the classic confirmation bias that we're all kind of dealing with right now, and that's what got us into the shitstorm we're, we're currently in is because we all have our own biases, and we're kind of getting worse with that because of our technology for the most part, you know, our bubbles. Right. Uh, we saw it coming, and we still didn't do anything to stop it because we just like our what we like and our little feelies and our member berries and our comfort zones. And right. some of us, are, our comfort zones are keeping minorities uh, without power and preying on people and some of our little nice feelings are helping people and and sometimes there's an overlap, sometimes there's not. And at the end of the day, personally, I, I think 85 is a, is a hugely flawed bill uh, and I think there needs to be tons of work done on it. I think the heart was there. Uh, but I and think see, these are, these are the things I agree on. I mean, like, again, you know, like, if I chat with Venus sometimes, it's about our kids. I mean, we're not, we don't even really do that because we have a respect for each other though. She knows I'm not out to get people or, and you know, that's kind of how, that's really where I'm at. That's why I said the good people to speak on it. Because if you have the best person on the pro and the con side, every, then, then it's not just a, a story that's going to be leaning one way or the other. We already know it. Right. It's, 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 it's right. It's come listen to these and then just decide and let's start talking. Right, that's what I said. I don't know if maybe we have found those leaders yet. I know I'm not the pro AB5 leader. I might become the maybe the leader in Illinois because I have skin in this game. And I'm not trying to carpet bag, you know. No, uh, no. I just, I just mean that I'm just like, you know. I mean, yeah. You, you do seem to have a lot of influence. I mean, but I do think that we need to get to those kind of as as core people as we can. Yeah, I hope I hope that you guys, I hope that at least California does. I hope that they do because it's tearing them apart, and it's not a good look, and it's not a good look for the future of you know, you know gig work protections uh, at the in the current state of affairs. So I hope that they're able to come to a amicable kind of solution in the near future. And it sounds like they're doing a, a lot of good work that way uh, with uh, additional bills and things and carve outs. Uh, here and there, um, but I think a lot of people just, there's so many issues, you know, uh, we don't have enough hours in the day, we need a, a, a bigger planet in a larger orbit, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the bottom line is, and I'm, I'm saying it right here, is that, you know, hey, I am, I am pro nobody getting screwed over. 
there, there you go. That's what I'm pro. <laughs> and right. I do think that I do, however, think the gig economy is not for everybody at all. But I've also worked a lot of service industry jobs that are not for everybody. That's just the truth of life. I mean, but yeah, at the I, mean, I hear that. I definitely hear that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, but that's but wait, say, that's not what I'm basing anything on. What I'm saying is that I said I literally sit on both sides. I want to hear the pros, the the pro AB five stuff. I just want to see it more dialed because what I don't want to see is what you already hit on is that it starts to become a war because what do you think? What do, what does everybody think that all these gig companies want? They want us tearing at each other. Oh yeah. That's the first, uh, that, that is, that solves every problem they have. If we're fighting. What is that called? Like OPSEC or uh, uh, Cointel or something like that? You know, it's just, it's like a, it's a it's a tactic. It, it's like, yeah, like they a, they a literally can tactic. step away from the conversation and just not even chime in. Yeah, and that, let and let people and let people get and let the hotheads, especially on so, Twitter so and a, stuff. Another thing, actually, I was thinking before I was actually listening to uh, the two part AB five podcast. I was like. I had mentioned just now about, or not just now, but a couple minutes ago about a pro 85 Uber driver and an anti kind of corporate. I want to be a, like a pro gig rideshare driver, just not Uber because Uber is basically preying on people. So think about the $110 million with anti 85 and stuff. So we, any, any Uber driver can kind of go out and just like organically get a bunch of signatures on stuff. I mean, that's how 85 kind of happened. In a way, I mean, I know it's just an assembly bill, so it's just voted there. It's not voted by the people, per se, but if people's sentiment is there, it will pass uh, in the assembly. But what Uber had to do was actually pay contractors to go out and get signatures and, like, you know, catered food at protests. And, and they were offering, like, you know, higher rates for signature gathering than they were paying actual Uber drivers in the same location. So, like, sure. if, if, like what, if one side's doing something like that, and the other side's trying to stop something like that. I mean, I know where I fall, but yeah. I think where, where it gets money again is where you're on both sides as far as like, you know, where it bleeds into ruining a whole bunch of other things. But see then, but that, but then again, but right on your point though, a good, I mean, a good thing to say is that Uber doing that made that the news that then people on both sides of the, of the argument argue over and allow Uber to step out of it. Right, but we got we got to stop we got to stop letting that part happen. We got to yes. stop letting uh, them leave. Like they have to stick around. That's why I think yeah. if, you know if we could have some people, just you know, I mean I, that's why I've wanted them on the podcast. I, I still haven't put even a pro or an anti because I don't have that perfect one. Some of them are too angry. Some of them are too. I need somebody who just can stay calm and explain it. Right, but I think that's really hard because what's the nature of someone working in the gig industry is, yeah. like, you know, they're stressed, we're stressed, you know. We, you know if, if we are making up money and doing it on our own, we'll be doing it on our own. But, 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 but they're out money. there. They're out there. They're, they are out there. And a lot of them, I feel like, are like that old school from 2009 to 2009, like old school black car drivers. That was, it seems like the black car Uber drivers kind of did almost have their own businesses. They have like regular clients or do. I'm not fully aware of that understanding of it, but it seems like a lot of the pro AB5 people or anti AB5 people are like Uber black car drivers. And from my understanding of that side of the business model with rideshares 
they kind of do have an incentive to stay what they're like, whereas someone signing up for Uber tomorrow is really going to get screwed eventually by the system. It's like gambling in a casino, but the house is Uber. I think, again, it goes by market, though. You know, I have people who, yeah. who just drive UberX, live in, you know, like my friend who we've had on the show, Jason Pease. Uh, he lives in uh, Boise, Idaho. He would not, he would not want AB5. It's not for mean reasons. It's, um, but he just is he, – he would rather just be able to earn how he does. Um, mm-hmm. But then you look at Seattle, and they are so messed up. L.A., they're so messed up. There are some markets that are so beyond repair – that something does need to happen. So yeah, it's so Chicago's really messed up too. Yeah, Chicago's messed up. That aren't aren't really solving any problems. So uh, and, and, and is it a wave that eventually will come to all? Sure, but that's why I think that instead of you know every I mean I, I didn't even mean for this all to go this direction tonight by the way, but but it's almost good because we got a little AB five talk out there, and I don't mind somebody showing me the other way. I really don't. I actually like it. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a learner. I don't, I don't need to argue right. about it. And, and there are a lot of people like us out there who love to learn. It's like our, what, we, what we're here for is to learn and consume information and knowledge and hopefully use it for the better and learn from it because that's what it's for. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, like you, me, and the people that, like, you know, care about this very niche issue in the world right now, grocery delivery and laws and labor rights, I think uh, – I think if history showed anything that, you know, it will fall to its own resolution over time. I mean, technically we know that it's not done in California. You yourself just said, like, you know, that wouldn't work in Seattle. But I trust Seattle's community to come together and do what's best for their community. I kind of trust my community in Chicago to kind of come together and do what's best for us. Because you're right, it is different for every market, and that's kind of been the problem. With these apps, that they they kind of try to use this magic wand of like middle management, upper management to kind of do a, a, a kind of a blanket of one style fits all. But you know, you have cities, you have urban areas, you have suburbs, you have this, that, and other thing. They're all paying different rates and have different uh, demand and different employment pools. And it's just, it just, I think it just leads to all points that this model is inherently flawed from the get go because of that. And if it wasn't flawed from the get, we wouldn't need things like AB5. Like AB5, I would never want to bring something like AB5 on Dumpling as they are now. Uh, Dumpling decides to evolve and change and move away from what I believe to be a, a, a fair business model. And if I start a whisper campaign with other Dumpling people, which they know I am capable of doing, um, we can get them to either change or we can mess them up. I don't ever want to do that. I, I, don't, I can't even think of it. Because I, I consider them family, and I trust the leadership teams there, and I trust that they trust us as individual shoppers to act as our own middle management and local management to know our own areas, because we do. And if we didn't know it, we wouldn't be successful at that point, and we wouldn't do it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future, um, and I'm excited to be part of shaping it, and I think we have a really good chance at uh, having it go the right way for as many people as possible. But you're never going to please everybody all the time. No, you're not. And I think that there is something to to AB5. I'm not saying that I think it's a perfection bill that should be started in every city in the country tomorrow, but there is something to it. But I, that's we're not even at the table. We're not even at the table talking. Is is 
And not, I'm not even saying I'm on a side. I'm just saying I voiced well, I what. But, you know, they're working on it, and I trust other states to, to build on it. And that's yeah. how ideas work. You know, stand on the shoulders of giants. I, I say that all the time. You know, no need to reinvent the wheel per se. But if something is fundamentally flawed, fix it, move forward. Find another problem, fix it, move forward. So yeah, I, I mean more. I mean more than. I meant more the two sides organizing something to be. And I know this sounds impossible, but it's not. But organize somehow. And it's, it would take time and struggle for sure, but everything does. But organize the two sides to work together when it comes to yeah. coming at this. Say, 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 say the, the full version of what you were alluding to right there. Nothing nothing is impossible, my friend. Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. Anything that we dream up right now in this conversation, it is possible if you if the, the right parties and the right people do the work and the labor to, to get it done. Anything is possible. There is a solution that that is out there that will work. Uh, we just I agree. have to find it. And we can only have that by having good dialogues with each other and learning from each other and not shouting each other down, which I myself am 1,000% uh, 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 guilty of all the time. And I will probably do it in the future. Well, I'm working <laughs> on it. You know? <laughs> why, why should you have to, though? So there's got to be some voices, man. <laughs> well, you know, if no one else is going to do it, at least be good at it if you do it. And no one wants to listen to some asshole who's just screaming all the time. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's rule number one of, uh, of public speaking. You know, you know, don't be perceived as an asshole and you won't close off ears. You know, Nixon versus Kennedy stuff. He's a sweaty mess. And Kennedy's a dapper, well-spoken young gentleman. You know, who did they listen to? Yeah. Yeah. Well... Hey, thank you very much. I actually will want to have you back. I actually weren't wasn't even sure. That I wasn't even thinking of tapping into AB five. I didn't know. I didn't know that you were. I mean, I knew you were pro AB five, but I didn't know that you had a lot of background with it. Um, um you know, uh, just here. I mean, like I said, I love researching, and uh, yeah. I really, I've been a full time student of the gig economy and grocery industry uh, since I've joined it, uh, and. I don't know. I can't. I tried to quit and stop so many times. And I just keep coming back to it pretty quickly. And uh, I don't know. I just, it, I'm passionate about it. It speaks to me. Uh, I, I, I the, the numbers and the data is fun. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm kind of good at it, which allows me to help uh, as, as many people as I possibly can. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, you know. So all of my hours in my waking life, mostly, uh, which I never thought I'd you know, be privileged enough for great and grateful uh, to say is that, you know, when I'm not delivering groceries to my community with Dumpling, a lot of that time is spent, you know, helping people stand up for their rights and, and speak out for themselves, uh, you know, like pro bono, you know, getting people reactivated oh. to Instacart or, or Dude, motivating the, people to speak up, you know, it's, 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 the, I'm so grateful that I get to do that. I don't know if you've gone back. Obviously, you haven't gone back to the start of this podcast, but when I did start it, um, it was started around PUA. I mean, when I stopped driving, I, I for for four or five weeks uh, was was learning every state's PUA. I have walked I have walked so many people through this. I know it inside and out. I know how to deal with any bullcrap. I mean, and again. A time when even the some uh, many California people that I talked to directly were on both sides of the fence of AB five. That wasn't even what we were talking about. We were talking about PUA. You know, that's, and, and and that's what another thing where the gig economy is kind of wrong by you know basically skirting off responsibilities as under the guise of independent contractorship. You know, people are left to their own devices, and we don't have financial literacy in this country. We just don't, and. 
that's like by design. You know, they don't want people financially literate, especially that kind of third underclass of workers that I'm a part of. You know, as as a gig worker and, and the, a minor. And I think that's I think that's a view you and I very much share because like we kind of try and we see that in others and we see that hey I want to explain this to him you know or I want him to understand what I know exactly and sometimes you're appreciated for it and sometimes you're screamed at for it yeah. but it doesn't mean you stop trying to help you know no and, and, and that's and that's why I put in all those hours right. though same as you do I mean I do it for other things too but I put in wow too many to PUA because. People were having issues with it, and I'm, I'm happy with the help I got to people to make sure they got their money. Exactly, and, and, and that's great because that industry does kind of try and, like, pit people against each other. You know, it's very competitive for, like, you know, the, the, because there's an oversupply of labor and not as much demand. And to, to be able to do that is absolutely amazing, and they, they don't really want you doing that. They no, want they, did, they don't want me doing that at all. <laughs> they want you stressed and just saying yes because you see money on that screen, and that's that's the difference between, you know, specifically Instacart and, and Dumpling is that, that I said that we had a, a, a crisis of culture during COVID when we had a, just a rush of, you know, people who, did, who didn't want to use Instacart or couldn't get an order with Instacart. Uh, because just so many people accepting orders that they jumped in and just started screaming that they wanted this and that, and it wasn't about a family. It was only about them and what they wanted, and they didn't understand that, that Dumpling was like 10 people, like, and they all have families and names and, and personal lives, and they thought they were just screaming at a faceless organization like Instacart or Uber. So, like, to try and mitigate that disaster was just chaos, but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fun work and, and, and what that allows is you can then help each other. Now, some will argue that that's free labor for dumpling, but, you know, if you enjoy it, it's not work. Like, I love designing, like, logos for people or yeah, that's, copy editing. That's kind of how I like, feel. I mean, there's some right, things that you could claim, hey, you know, you put in way more than you sh- you, your, your output should be better. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not even – but I don't mind that. That's, that's me having fun almost. <laughs> Just because you want it, because it's just part of your personality. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of opened up and did that, and and it kind of stopped treating it as like a competitive, you know, cutthroat business. Uh, I think we'd all be better off, and we'd all be more profitable, uh, and we'd all be more financially literate. We'd all know our rights, and it'd be less opportunity for not only like the companies to prey on us, but like politicians to prey on us, unions to prey on us, because unions aren't angels. Uh, I know this. And like, you know, even consumers to prey on us by like pulling their tips or things like that. You know, I think just overall knowledge sharing is, is the key to this. And, and it's going to take a dialogue from all sides because it's not even just pro AB5, anti AB5. There's people that don't even know what AB5 is. There's sure. people that don't know what their laws are. They don't know what's going on. And I mean, got to start somewhere. And I think a, a great place to start is just sharing information with each other by all means necessary. It sounds like you're doing that. I know hundreds of other people are doing that. I'm doing what I can. And I think we're going to get there. Uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of time. I think COVID bought us some more time and a larger platform. Um, I don't think autonomous delivery or ride shares coming. I think in, in our worker working, you know, golden years, I think maybe our mine in your twilight years i would say where it'd be like absolutely kind of foolproof if ever but i think we got a lot of time um to, to figure it out but not as much as we think i don't know um 
I think the uh, future is going to be interesting. Uh, I, I can't really predict what's going to happen, but um, I think I think coming out of the pandemic, oddly, I you know there was a long period I I didn't know what I thought. I think and um, having a kid, you know, you got to you got to be on top of it, even when you're not in the mood. You got to stay like, okay, what is going to happen? What is? It? But I'm I'm feeling much more optimistic about coming out of this pandemic than I was. I will say that. Yeah, I think overall I am. I mean, I have more more bad days, just like kind of in general, because I'm in grocery stores all this. I just see all this piss poor behavior from from people, like you know, COVID deniers, anti mask people, people who are just going through the motions because they legally have to, and right. walk up on me when I'm shopping and stuff. So I, I I get bogged down with a lot of that kind of misanthropic bullshit. Um, but overall, I'm definitely an optimist, and I'm hopeful for the future. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm excited for it. I know that there's going to be tons of battles because the, the war is kind of, I think, probably about half over right now overall with the gigs versus workers. Um, and I don't know. This is a great time to decide what, what kind of society we want to be when this is over. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just do our part. Absolutely. Well, hey, Matthew, again, thank you for coming on, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's reconvene in a couple months. Yeah, awesome. Glad for it. Uh, you know, you have a good rest of your night, uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, I know we went probably pretty substantially over a uh, little bit there. Feel free to take out. Uh, oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't cut them. I don't cut them at all. Oh, good, good, good. good. <laughs> I, I, I don't regret one single thing. Just don't take out of context, or I'll come for you. Yeah. Um, no, I just don't. You know, we don't, we don't, we. I don't give out on any of the website. On anything I do, I don't give out, uh, you know, any kind of promos from me that to sign up for things. I don't do any of that. I'm not trying to get any kind of money out of it. I'm just not trying. Like, not like that other website, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, actually a few others, but no. Yeah. You know. But I just, uh, uh, you know, the, so that's why I don't cut it. I don't want somebody saying, well, there was a part missing. No, it's all here. It's good. good. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. like to the weeds, and I'm a little cute and uh, wordy and chatty. But uh, I had a great time talking with you, man. I, I think it actually also helps solidify some of my, uh, you know, my thoughts on the overall. And it's always just good to just kind of talk to someone new about it. And, uh, you know, I think we both got a lot to learn and, and uh, a lot to do. So I'm excited to see. Uh, whether this cast and, and uh, the website and uh, going in the future, I think we need more voices out there kind of coming at stories from different angles. And, uh, you know, again, really appreciate it to, to take all this time out of your day, uh, your nights. Uh, hey, you too, man. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, are we, are we good here? Um, are we so, we're, we can say good, are we saying goodbye on the cast? Or are we, are we all set? Can we wrap it up here? Or yeah, let's, no, let's, let's wrap it up and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you guys, because I ran over, um, I'm not even going to do the outro stuff with the news. So I'm just going to leave it at this and, uh, thank Matthew for coming on and do my normal out and say, all right, thanks y'all. And, uh, be safe out there. Be good to each other and peace.
I'm not afraid of the dark. 